Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have taken a short break from our Bible series in Genesis for this 14-part series on New Testament given. We will return back to our Bible series in Genesis after this current series. Thank you. We are now almost set to look at the principle of tithing under the New Testament. We want to look at its peculiarity, the peculiar nature, and the peculiar practice of the principle of tithing under the New Testament. But first, we have a few more issues we need to attend to. You remember that is what we were doing the last episode. And last episode, we established that tithing is first and foremost a form of worship. It's not just a rigid tick box, take and not kill me activity. Even under the Mosaic law, tithing was worship. And we must understand that even though tithe was obligatory under Mosaic law, yet the people were not forced, their arm were not twisted. God did not hold the proverbial gun to their head to make them tithe. They still brought the tithe willingly. It was a willing worship even under Mosaic law. And we saw that by the time of Malachi, the last prophetic book of the Old Testament. By the time of Malachi, it was widespread practice across Israel for people to default on their tight duty regularly. And I'm going to read that Malachi chapter 3 again, but this time around, we are just going to read verses 7 to 9. And I'm going to read from the ISV. Ever since the time of your ancestor, you have turned away from my decrees and having kept them. And obviously, these include the law concerning tithe and offering. Then God said, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of the heavenly armies. But you ask, how will we return? Will a person rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? By the tithe and the offering. You are caused under the cause, the entire nation, because you uh, robbing me. And this is really, really very important. One of the popular arguments against, against the principle of tithe in the New Testament is to say that tithe was obligatory under the Old Testament, but that New Testament worshiper has no such obligation. Okay? That, you know, it's as if under the Old Testament, you know, these people didn't have a choice. It was obligatory. It was by force. They have to do it. It was, God, take this, don't kill me type of thing. You know, I want us to see that, yes, indeed, it was obligatory. But actually, they still had to do it willingly. And many, many of them, even as a nation, just like we read in the book of Malachi, did not do it. The proverbial devil in this line of argument is to understand what people mean by obligatory. When people say it was obligatory under the Old Testament, now we don't have that obligation. What people mean by this is that Israel obeyed this law of tithing like a zombie, as if they were robots and as if they had no choice, that it does not matter whether they, whether they were willing, it does not matter whether they were cheerful about it or not, that God does not care as long as they bring the tithe and offering. And that is really what matters. And that's what people always think about when they say, look, it was obligatory. It's as if it was by force under the Old Testament. Such argument 
will contrast, obviously, <laughs> they will contrast this against, you know, the teaching of giving under the New Testament, where according to them, according to this argument, under the New Testament, it is, we are under grace and we are not under any such obligation. And as such, under the New Testament, you can give what you want. You can give it when you want. You can give how much you want. You can give it where you want. It's just free for all. And we have shown that with respect to the Old Testament, that this is not the case. Now, it's an obligation. And when they obey the law of God, they experience the blessing of worshiping God in obedience with their material substance. That is absolutely true. Under Mosaic law, worshippers still needed to bring their tithe and offering willingly. They still needed to bring it cheerfully. They still needed to bring it as a worship just like we are commanded under the New Testament. And we are going to come, we are going to circle around, hopefully from tonight we'll circle around to it and look at, is, are we under any obligation at all? Or is it actually true that under the New Testament is just free for all? Now, what I notice is that when many people study tithing under Mosaic law, they tend to get hung up on, is it an obligation or not, as we have been discussing and whether it is 10% or not 10%, you know, that tend to be those two things that most people just get hung up on. We have seen that indeed it's an obligation, but it is more than obligation. We have seen that indeed it is 10%, but it is more than 10%. For me, as we've been studying through this teaching, I noticed that for me that there are four things that characterized under Mosaic law. Actually, when you look at these four characteristics of tithe, you will see that it predated Mosaic law, that these characteristics are actually eternal, enduring characteristics of tithe. So the first characteristic, and we have looked at it today, is that tithe is always worship. The second characteristic that I've seen is that it is something they give regularly. There was set time set place for them to bring it to. The number three, the number three characteristic we see is that it is proportional and that is where the percentage comes in. And lastly, just like we have been saying, it must be done willingly. So for me, when I look through the practice of tithing on that mosaic law, I see this characteristic and I notice that actually these are the enduring characteristics of tithe. Before Mosaic law, under Mosaic law, and when we get to the New Testament, these are the characteristics that we are also going to be looking at. And it is important that we keep this enduring characteristic of tithe in mind as we move on in our study now. Now, it is time for us to look at the New Testament. Okay, we, we are moving slowly but surely to look at the New Testament, but there is, there is one more thing we need to consider. Okay, yes, there's always one more thing to need to consider. Now, the reason I want to say this, it, it adds just a little bit of interesting point to this teaching is that, you know, because of the way that our Bible is, is reading, now we have been in the book of Malachi. Because of the way our Bible is reading, reading, we read the book of Malachi and we just jump straight from that last book of the Old Testament and we jump into the New Testament. But you see, the thing is that when that happens, we tend to forget that there is a space of time between the end of the book of the Old Testament 
and the beginning of the book of the New Testament. We tend to forget that there is approximately about 400 years from the end of the ministry of Malachi, around about 420 BC, to the appearance of John the Baptist in the New Testament that is in the early 4th century AD. There's that period. So even though we can flip a page and we go from Malachi to Matthew, and we go for the, from the end of the prophecy of Malachi to the birth of John the Baptist. But let's understand that there is that space of 400 years. And we have looked at this before, long, long, long time ago in some of our episodes. This period is called the intertestamental period. Let's put that in a diagram form. So that is this period called the intertestamental period. Period. Now, it is very, very important for us to understand that because a couple of things happen in this period, which I'm not going to go into. You will have to go back to some of the teaching we've done. I can't, on top of my head now, I can't remember which episode it is, but it was one of the early, early episodes where we talk about this intertestamental period. Now, what is clear is that the temple by the time the Old Testament is shutting down, and particularly more important during this intertestamental period, what is clear is that the temple had become an important economic center, and it played an important economic role in the life of the children of Israel. And it does have immense wealth through the offering that the people bring through the tax tax that people give and through their tithes. But what then happened is that during this intertestamental period, unfortunately, the priesthood became increasingly more corrupt, greedy, self-serving, and sensual. And the rulers, unfortunately, they had direct control over the priesthood and over the treasury. So the wealth of the temple flowed into their hands and they misuses, they abused the treasury front and among many other atrocities that they committed, they used this fund for their own selfish end. Does that sound familiar when we are talking about some of the reason that makes people turn against this teaching of giving? So, in the year, what I'm trying to say is that in the year leading to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the worship of the true God has become increasingly and progressively replaced by cumbersome human invention, which crushed life out of the worship of God. And it was just all about tradition of men. However, in spite of that, People kept on bringing their tithe zealously. They paid their tithe to the temple. Sometimes many of these people were controlled, were manipulated, were definitely taken advantage of. Now, I've gone into that because actually this is the background to Jesus' attitude to the religious leader of Israel in his days. That is the background. And this is also the background to the two of the few mention of tithe in the New Testament. You know, we, we talk about that. So, so the few times that the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned tithe tend to be in his challenge of the spiritual leader of Israel. And this is the background. The Lord Jesus Christ don't, didn't seem to get too much into scrubble with the Sadducees because everybody knows they were backsliding. Everybody knows they were liberals. But he has this ongoing challenge and confrontation with the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, the Pharisees 
rather than dealing with the corruption of the core of the worship of Israel, unfortunately, they were more interested in maintaining a facade. They have this external hypocritical form of religion of work by which they strive to achieve some form of righteousness before God. So while many Jews tightened, remember what I said? They continue tightening. So when you get into the New Testament, what you will see is that while many Jews continue to tight, the Pharisees tightened even more. They were tightest, the Pharisees. They were tightest by excellence. They went overboard. Even tightening some of those materials that the law of Moses didn't allow, didn't, didn't require of them to tax. Now also the Pharisees, why others fasted periodically, the Pharisees fasted twice a week. We are going to read that in Luke chapter 18. They also maintained purity at their meals. They avoided sharing table with sinners like the tax collector. Those are the Pharisees. I'm saying this because I want to lead you to these two scriptures in which the Lord Jesus mentioned tithe in the gospel. So let us read Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. I'm reading from ISV. How terrible it will be for you, scribe and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give tenth of your mint, veal, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matter of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These are the things you should have practiced without neglecting the others. Now, before I read the second one, okay, so that is one of the places where the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned tithe. And here, when you read the book of Matthew chapter 23, it was causing, it was the Lord Jesus Christ was calling down causes upon the Pharisees and the scribe. And here, he said they give tenth of their mint, dill, and cumin, which actually they were not required under the law. is because they were super tighter, as it were. And then the Lord Jesus said that they neglected the more important matters. Now, let's read the second one, and I will make a comment on both of them. Luke chapter 18, verses 11 to 12. Now, the background to this one is the story of the Pharisees and the tax collector that went to pray. The tax collector was humble, was beating his chest, and this is actually what the Pharisees said, and this is what will command our attention. Luke chapter 18, verses 11 to 12. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, O God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, dishonest people, adulterers, even this task collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my entire income. Now, I have read this because there are a couple of things we need to pick up from there. Now, most many people will pick up this and say this is the one, one of the two rare times that tithe is mentioned under the New Testament and people tend to look at this as a negative against tithe in the New Testament. Now, a couple of things we have to pick up from these two scriptures. Number one, that the people of Israel were still paying tithe as of the time of our Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, that this this verses let us know, just like I have mentioned just a moment ago, that he actually tells us people are still paying tithe, at least up till now. Obviously, the, the Pharisees were doing more. Then number two is the fact that the worship of Yahweh has been corrupted by this time, exemplified obviously by the Pharisees who are supposed to be religious, one of the religious group leader of the people. But what I want us to see here, most importantly, that this story these scriptures are not commentaries on tithe. The Lord Jesus Christ was not talking about tithe here. 
Rather, it was a commentary on the hypocrisy and the legalism of the scribes and the Pharisees. So it's not a commentary on tithe one way or the other. This was a commentary on the Pharisees and the scribes, their hypocrisy, their legalism. The fact that tithing was generally practiced in the days of our Lord and until the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 is also evidence in the writing of Josephus. You know, Josephus, Josephus, he was the foremost Roman Jewish historian. Praise the Lord. Now, let's move on now because we're going to move on and we are going to look at moving forward in the New Testament. We are getting into it bit by bit. Again, just like we said, this is what we want to do now. We have looked at before the law. We have looked at under the law. Now we have started looking at the New Testament. And the question we are asking ourselves is that, can we find this principle, this principle of tithing under the New Testament? And we have started looking at the gospel. Now, as we move forward in this journey, let's just remember that all the foundation that we have laid in the previous 10 episodes will be very helpful. We need to keep in mind what we have learned about the history of tithing, the nature and practice of tithing under different dispensations, the purpose of tithe, and also just like we have seen earlier today, the enduring characteristic of tithe. At this point, you need to permit me to remind us of some point that we have already touched on in episode five about the principle of tithe in the New Testament because we touched on it in episode five. In Matthew chapter five, verses 17 to 19, we saw that the Lord Jesus Christ have a specific attitude toward the Old Testament. He said that he came not to destroy, not to overthrow, not to subvert, not to annul, not to abrogate, not to discard the law, but to fulfill it. He said he came to consummate it. He said he came to make it complete, to carry it through to the end, to bring it to realization. That that was the Lord Jesus' attitude toward the Old Testament. And also in episode five, we look at the at arguably the most important and the most common argument that people bring against the principle of tithing in the New Testament. People will claim that tithing is not mentioned by name in the New Testament as part of Christian worship and that therefore tithing was abolished and discarded with Mosaic law. Remember that we said that this is a classic case of argumentum excellentio or argument from silence. In episode five, we learn how absorbed how absurd this argument is. It is true that the New Testament was silent about the early church tithing, but it is equally as silent about early church not tithing. So the, the New Testament didn't say one way or the other whether they were tithing or whether they were not tithing. If we are going to throw out tithe out of New Testament church because of the arguments of silence, then we have to stop using musical instruments. Remember, we went into that clapping and dancing in New Testament worship, and nobody will do that. And what we concluded in that teaching is that if the principle of tithing stopped with the Old Testament system of worship, the scripture will have unequivocally make it clear like it did the other ceremonial law of the Old Testament. Now, I just needed to run through that. Please go back to the episode five to see what that was all about. So people continually ask then, should Christian tithe 
did the Bible instruct tithing in the New Testament? Now, many books and articles have been written, many sermons have been preached on this subject, many videos have been posted on social media on this subject. Many people ask this question honestly because they want to know, particularly against the background of so much confusing teaching that is going on in the church today. Unfortunately, some people's agenda concerning this subject matter are less honorable and rather questionable. Either way, there are answers, okay? Now, the common problem in discussing about tithe is that people often confuse the enduring principle of tithe with its modification under the law. And that is why it was important for me to actually show us that enduring principle. So that is one of the most common problems. We must not confuse the enduring principle of tithing with its modification under the law. Tithing will inevitably be modified by the system under which it is practiced. For example, Abraham could not give tithe before the law like you would give tithe under the law because the, 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 the temple uh, was not there, the priesthood was not there. So tithing will inevitably be modified by the system under which it is practiced. And we will have to ask ourselves, why will Mosaic law stopped stop a practice that has been going on before the law. I'm going to leave this a little bit on the screen and I'm going to stop here today. Okay. There is what I'm saying is that we need to understand that yes, there will be the hardwares. Okay. There will be the hardware that surround the software that is peculiar, that is specific to each one of these. Uh, dispensation. But what we are saying is that there is an enduring principle that goes through the whole system. And we must not confuse this enduring principle of tithing with its modification under the law. And it is true that if we do find the principle of tithing in the New Testament, the practice will have to be different in one form or the other from the way it is done in the Old Testament. Why? Because the priesthood was gone. Because the church is not like Israel. The church is not set up like Israel was. So there will be of necessity a change in the outer casing, in the hardware, and in the external practices. But what we need to look at is to look at the principle. So for me, as I will be looking, and I'm going to stop here, for me, as I will be looking into the New Testament, you know, document uh, to look out for whether the principle were there or not, the question I will be asking myself is, are there, is there a designable system of giving in the New Testament? That's the first question I'll be asking myself. Is there a discernible system of given in the New Testament? Or was given in the New Testament just a give what you want free for all, do it when you want, how you want, where you want? Or is there a system? And if there's a system in the New Testament, how does its principle compare to the system in the Old Testament? Can I locate this enduring characteristic of tithing in the system of given in the New Testament, if there is one. So that is the question, and that is the methodology that we are going to be employing as we look closer. And if you are listening to me, and you've not given your life to Christ, you need to, because God loves you, and he gave 
his only begotten son to save you. Why did he have to do that? Because there is no other way. And if you don't accept him as your Lord and Savior, then you will be lost forever. And God does not want you to be. So he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to provide the way out. And he sent us to give you the good news. So the ball is in your court. You can bow down your head as need you a sinner. Invite Jesus to save you, to be your Lord, to be your God. And it will be that. And then you'll become a child in his house, a citizen, his kingdom, and he will lead you and guide you through the rest of your life in this world and you can grow to experience his goodness and his kindness and his calling upon your life. And when this is all over, you can then spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Do it right now. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.